All right. Now that we figured out the technology, Jim showed yes. us the, the uh, high-tech way of doing it. Yeah. He pulled the plug on it, so yeah. we call that good. Uh, that's the extent of my technology knowledge, so that's good. Well, good morning, everybody. Morning. Good morning. Um, my name is Greg Skipper. This is my lovely wife, Jennifer. Um, and we are excited today just to be able to chat with you, tell you a little bit about ourselves, uh, a lot about our story. Um, mm -hmm our testimony uh, and the uh, and all the years we've known each other now 35 years right 35 years married um, yeah. we'll be married 30 years in April, April. this coming April yeah. so yeah. Yeah. I know it's hard to believe I, I married was, her when she was, I was four I was gonna say I got, I got married very young <laughs> I knew I knew right away that she was the one um, so uh, we are talking today about perseverance and really uh, when we the couples that have been able to uh, share with you over these weeks, if you've been here several weeks, uh, when we got together, everybody, we, we, we tried to focus on a word that would describe our journey, our lives, uh, what, what we've gone through and, and something that could encapsulate that. And for Jennifer and I, and I'm not too sure about the other couples, but the one thing that really just came to mind is perseverance. Um, there's so much to unpack in this time here that there's no possible way we could talk about all of the events, all of the things individually so uh, we made and as notes. a family. We did make <laughs> we notes. So hopefully that we're going to stay on topic. Yes. So that's the goal. We can kind of do these little bunny trails. Yeah. So. so we were we met uh, at the ripe old age. I was 15. So was she. Um, it was the day before my 16th birthday in high school. Um, I uh, met Jennifer. Uh, was introduced by a mutual friend, and uh, we have been together since. We were high school sweethearts. Uh, high school? Pardon? What high school? We grew up in California. Yeah, in California. So, yeah. Narbonne so, High School. Narbonne High School. Home, Home of the, the Gauchos. gauchos. <laughs> <laughs> um, Southern California. Yes. Um, kind of near, well, it's, it's part of the, the greater Los Angeles area. So we, we came from the big city. Yeah. It is the high school that has the famous rep, rep, reputation of uh, owning longest, the top two longest losing streaks in football history. <laughs> and one of those was why we were while there. we were there. We broke our own school record. We, we were that, that bad of a team. So anyway, I digress. All right. So we met in 1987, May, May 6th, 1987. Did you play football? Um, I did play football. <laughs> His senior year, he was the I was, on the I was on the team that broke the record. Um, Anyway, we met then, and uh, we dated for many years, um, and were married in 1993, April of 1993. Um, we waited an hour and a half uh, for Jennifer to get pregnant, um, and Colin was born uh, the following year in July. Um, uh, and then, I, and then, for those of you who don't know us, we are parents to four boys. Um, one of being one that you probably all are familiar with. Pastor Colin is our oldest, our oldest son. And then AJ, who was singing today, is our second born. Luke, who's this tall, uh, beanpole kid. Well, he's 22. So I mean, like they're all adults. But he also, you also might see him. He doesn't like the spotlight, so he's not usually up front at all. Um, so he, and then our youngest is 18. 18 um, is yeah. Dustin, yeah. yes. And Dustin. So. And uh, Dustin, we're going to get to him about how yeah. uh, we, he came into our lives. life, yeah. um, which was a, is a pretty cool story. Um, 
So uh, that's our family. That's uh, in a nutshell. We, we're talking today, like I said, about perseverance. And, and one of the things that uh, Jennifer and I uh, jumped on right away was what Bible verse would we say is a life verse uh, for our family? And, and, for uh, perseverance. and for perseverance yeah. specifically. Uh, for me, um, it was Psalm, uh, or it is Psalms uh, 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, uh, light on my path. And um, uh, that's just the definition of, of uh, God just lighting up each step of your journey. Um, he doesn't light up the entire pathway start to finish showing you this is the end. Um, he shows you enough to take that next step mm -hmm. in life. Um, early on in my life, would have no clue what that meant and did not practice that as we'll get into. Um, but it is definitely uh, uh, part of what our family believes and uh, finds strength in, um, in times of uh, turmoil and stress and, and suffering and in times of great joy. Um, uh, perseverance is just proof that our, our faith um, is real, that it's a real thing. And then the uh, proof then produces that hope that we need, that we hold dearly uh, at, as we take each step. Mm -hmm. And then mine's um, Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Because for me, perseverance, and it's, it's no coincidence, I'm sure, that Colin preached on what he preached today. <laughs> Um, about like my probably my biggest struggle is trusting trusting the Lord and so um, that's where my perseverance has come in is that having God's Word like right in like memorized and right there and readily available to me um, learning to trust the Lord more and more and more and then through our story you'll hear learning to learning to trust Greg um, mm -hmm. also as part of that as part of God's plan for my life. So uh, we, we decided to break our uh, nearly 30 years into three uh, distinct periods of time. Uh, the first 10, the second 10, and where we are today, and the future then after that. So I guess four periods. Um, but uh, just to give you a little bit of background about me, and, and Jennifer could share about her, uh, I was an Army brat. Um, my dad was in the military Army for 30, over 30 years. Uh, born in Germany and uh, raised. My dad was from um, Hazelhurst, Mississippi, a uh, southerner, um, and my mom was from Liverpool, England, uh, not a southerner, um, and a scouser, as they called her. Um, I was raised Catholic, um, which was my mom's uh, choice. My dad was a Baptist, but never really practiced his faith at all, and really my mom uh, was the spiritual leader of our family growing up. Um, go ahead and mm -hmm. I'll share yours. Um, I was raised by also a Catholic mom and um, a Pentecostal father. Um, so we kind of bounced back and forth between churches. Um, like Christmas, we would always go to the Catholic church because they had such beautiful um, beautiful uh, masses <laughs> so we do midnight mass on Christmas and then most of the time we were either going to um, a Baptist church or um, a Pentecostal church um, it was a little confusing growing up I would say in and out of private schools uh, I would definitely say I was raised with a uh, parents who loved the Lord 
but they weren't they, they, they weren't consistent. I will say they weren't consistent. Um, and so when Greg and I were dating, his mom scared me a little bit, just just a little bit. And so I thought, wow, I think I'll just become Catholic because I think I'm going to marry this guy. So at, when I got out of high school and went into college, I'm like, I'm just going to be Catholic because that she will love that. And she did. She did love that. And I was Catholic for a long time. I was Catholic um, until Luke, who's 22 now, was two. So probably a good... 18 years? Not 18, 10 well, years. No, oh, yeah, that's yeah, right, because yeah. you did it after. Yeah, so... Yeah, so became Catholic and realized that it didn't really, um, not all of the teachings were in line with my, my faith and my belief um, and, and what I knew to be true about the Bible. Um, I, my dad was very um, open to us questioning and asking questions about God. And so in a Catholic Bible study, I was doing the same thing. And then someone pulled me aside and said, it's for the priest. <laughs> to interpret the Bible, um, you are being disruptive. And so I came home and I told Greg, you know what, I'm leaving. And this, this is really a part, a huge part of the, our, our first 10 years of mm-hmm. our story. Um, and Greg was not loving that I would go to church every Sunday. So he would do all kinds of things. So I'm just going to back up a, a little bit. I really got back into going to church when Colin was born. I was like, you know, I want to raise my kids to know know the Lord. Um, and I wanted Greg to go with me, but I was never, I, I didn't nag. I mean, I wanted it to be his decision, but I was going to go. Well, Greg didn't even like that I went. So he would do things like get up and make breakfast and be like, well, you can't go because I made this beautiful breakfast. And so I'd like grab something and, you know, pack up the kids and I'd go. Um, or, or like he would unplug the, because this was back before like cell phones, and he'd unplug our um, alarm in our bedroom. And he'd be like, we must have had a power outage. And I'm like, well, the rest of the house didn't have a power outage. I'm on to you, Not you know. Smart, but, am I? but I was, you know, well, he got, he thought he got smarter. And so, like, our house had so many power outages, but it would go and turn off the main. So, like, the whole house would, like, the power would go out. And so he'd be like, I'm well, getting no, smarter now. See, <laughs> all of it, but. But that was where I think my perseverance started to kick in, right? My faith was important to me. My relationship with the Lord was important to me. And it was going to be important that my boys knew the Lord. So I, persist, I, I persevered in the face of a husband who was trying to... Do everything to possibly... To derail. Derail things. I, <laughs> derail I was things. a Catholic in name only. And, yes. and really and a big part of my personal testimony is uh, the first half of my life, it was all about checking boxes and uh, filling my life with achievements and being able to say, I achieved this title, I achieved this, you know, and and with Catholicism, there are classes you take and sacraments and things that that go along the way. And for me, that was like, okay, I, yep, check, I did it, did it, did it, did it. Um, I was all about accomplishments, but I couldn't tell you a thing about the faith. I mean, I, I, it was like just doing enough to, to, to get the, the passing grade. Um, and that was really the, the, my relationship with Christ. I never, um, until I would say I was the age of 30, really picked up the Bible and read it, read anything in it at all. Uh, we had a Bible, being Catholic, a giant Bible right in front of the fireplace on a stand that was always open to the, some page that never moved, but nobody ever touched the thing. 
<laughs> he um, was very pretty, though. Yeah. So, but I do remember a funny little story about that. I remember we were driving somewhere, and it actually might have been on this infamous camping trip that we'll get to. And I remember you looking at me saying, somebody asked me one day, like, everybody talks about their Bible, and like, nobody actually knows where their Bible is. And he's like, do you know where your Bible is? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, I do know where my Bible is because I read it. And he's like, oh. And that was probably, you were probably 28, 29 mm -hmm. at about that time. So The yeah. only Bible I ever owned was the one given to me on my first confirmation. It was about that big, the little tiny kid's Bible, you know, and kind of like never that. read that thing either. Um, so, I mean, it's, uh, it, that, that was very true throughout my life. Um, so this first period of our life, 1993 to 2003. Yeah, so then um, I was at that, that, Catholic Bible study, and so this was at the time of turning off, you know, electricity, making breakfast, all of all of these things are going on in those those period of years. And I come home and I'm like, okay. And I had prayed about it, so it wasn't like I just like came home on a whim. I'm like, I am leaving the Catholic Church. I am okay if you don't want to come with me. I would love you to come with me, but let's try, um, if, if you want to, let's try a couple of different churches. Um, and he was actually kind of open to trying a couple of different churches, although he did want to try a couple of different Catholic churches as well. But I said, you know, I have taken D Colin to this church that has this great VBS that, like, I have dropped him off to, and I actually had then, um, um, when I found out that they would, like, take the other two little ones, and they were so close together, and, oh, gosh, they were, they were quite the toddlers <laughs> AJ and Luke were quite the toddlers um, and when I found out like they would keep them if I served I was all for that <laughs> so like they were they were in the nursery and I was serving and so I was like I think I want to try that church you know and this and that was when they were over at Manitoba but they had just moved here and so I had kind of heard through the VBS you know um, rumor mill that this was the same church that that had been or it was like a, a, a break off of what they had done here and so this was probably about six months after this church started so I said well let's try that church and he's like well let's try St. Peter's first and I'm like well okay St. Peter's starts at eight and Southside starts at nine so how about we'll see which one we get out of the house in time for you know so the, the kids were little and lo and behold we did not get out of the house in time for the St. Peter's eight o'clock. So here we were at Southside. And then, uh, so that we, Greg came out of there and he goes, did you like call ahead? Because they were definitely talking to me about all the things that bother you. And I'm like, didn't call ahead, don't know those people. <laughs> the sermon, the sermon of the pastor. And I don't even remember what the sermon was about. So. Um, it, was, it was all focused on status. Keeping up with the Joneses, that yeah. kind of a statement, if you guys have heard of that. But basically, just pursuing material things, pursuing status, wealth, um, and not pursuing what's real. And I was angry. Like, I felt like he was, and I, I honestly went to Jennifer, I was, I was angry because I thought maybe she had conspired this whole thing. Because it felt like the pastor was, I, we were three quarters of the way back. And it felt like the whole time he was looking right at me as he's giving his, his sermon and talking about all of these things. And, and, and I felt so convicted, so much that I, I was pissed off. 
I really was. Angry I was, was angry. And, and at that time great, in my life. I was say, at that time in his life, he was angry about a great deal of things. So I, it really didn't, I was like, meh, you know. The, the, the reality is. Craig's I, mad about something. <laughs> from the time I was a teenager and, and throughout the first next 20 years of my life, um, I was tremendously angry. I was a prolific liar. Mm. I that, could. That is true. I could get you to believe just about anything. Or he thought I was believing. I just decided I didn't want to fight. I would try to get you to believe. I didn't want to fight all yeah. the time, you know? So a lot of times I just took the past, path of least resistance. Like, I, he wouldn't even tell me the truth about what he ate for lunch. I mean, it was that. It's, it, I, it was I, that pervasive, that, that pervasive. So at that time, I'm starting to pray a little more. Like, I like grew up in a church-ish, you know, so I'm starting to pray a little more. The Catholic Church kind of helped me with that because then I was just like praying like their prayers, which kind of helped me focus in on God a little bit while I was learning my prayer life. So I'm starting, I'm starting to persevere, right? I'm starting to persevere. I'm getting up. I'm going to church with or without Greg. Um, and I'm living with a liar, but I'm pretty stubborn of, well, we're just going to stay married. I don't like you. I don't like you at all. I think you're a jerk, <laughs> but we said we were going to be married. And so we're going to stay married. And like our, our marriage was a mess. It was a disaster and a mess, but I knew that I had made a vow. I was going to stay married and I was going to do my best to spiritually lead our household because when somebody's not spiritually leading, somebody has to step up and do it. So my uh, prayer life was I, I, all about notes. So I had to put this down because I wanted to say that my prayer life was I wrote, what's that? <laughs> Non-existent. I never prayed. I didn't. I, and the, any prayer it was, was if anything was at church and knowing, again, checking the box of Our Father, uh, Hail Marys, you know, you know that, that kind of uh, life or existence, but couldn't tell you what it meant, what I was praying. I mean, not really understanding the words. Um, I didn't think I needed God. Right. I thought God was good for some people. Some people needed that, that God was a crutch that they, they could lean on, but I didn't need that. And I think you thought I, I needed felt, God. I did, I did, and I, and I felt I, I was anxiety. successful. I was accomplishing things. I worked, I was a workaholic, quite, have quite an addictive personality, and that leads into so many other things in my life and my uh, early journey. Um, and that I was responsible for my destiny. That what I was going to do was going to drive my destiny, my family's destiny, and whether or not we were successful or not. That God is fine for those that are weak. But I'm not weak. I can handle it. I can handle these things. Um, and prayer's fine for people who can't handle things. In fact, when we, were, when we got married, before we got married, we had to meet and do a couple's marriage what do they call it? Counseling or yeah, it was yeah, something like a weekend like that. thing. Yeah, and 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 the we we had breakout sessions, and I remember saying to Jennifer, "It's supposed to show that I I walked in this with my eyes wide open, though. Like I still went ahead and married him." <laughs> they they talked about prayer, and I remember point blank telling Jennifer, looking her in the eyes, and saying, "I will never pray with you." 
prayer is a very personal thing, and that's something between me and God. Not that I'd ever done it, but that's the <laughs> hypocrisy of my life uh, you know, at this time. Um, but it was trying to put that out there that don't ask me to pray with you because I was cowardly. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to say, and I didn't want to ever feel like I could let my guard down or be weak or in, in any respect. And my upbringing was that I just knew the Bible better than Greg and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And so I think I intimidated him even though I didn't mean to, you know. And then taking the spiritual head, the household role, I'm sure made that, made that even even worse. So th this leads up to our, we call it our now infamous camping trip. Which we need to keep it a little more abbreviated than we normally yes. tell it. So if anybody wants the long version, you can come to our yeah. dinner at our house. <laughs> Prior to this, we were, we were, our marriage was at our marriage. the absolute worst point. It's ever been. Ever been. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we decided to take a vacation. We were broke. Yeah. We just moved in with my mom. We were actually moving in right yeah, after the right camping trip. we got back. Trip. We were about to yeah. move in with her. So we were really looking forward to that because our house, we needed to sell our house. Yep. Um, because I had, we had one business that was failing, so I opened up another business. That's a good idea. While I had this other business going, and that was so much fun, I opened up a third business at the same time. So I had three businesses going at once. Um, and I had no husband. And every one of them was failing. And we were going absolutely, we were broke. We had no money, um, and we, yet we piled into this Ford Taurus station wagon with all the kids. And Greg's in. dad has Alzheimer's, and so we needed to move in with his mom to pay her bills so that she could pay the bills of the, um, Care. Of the assisted living yeah. place that he was in. So, like, it was going to work out okay. I just want to make sure, like, I know CPR. <laughs> I can do the Heimlich. <laughs> ah, it's a little choking. <laughs> we can give you the long version someday if yes, anybody's yeah. interested in the camping trip. But basically, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong in this trip, yep. uh, including our four-year-old car that we had bought used, um, uh, the engine blowing on the way into Ellensburg, mm -hmm. going up that long hill. Uh, so we lost the engine of the car and had to rent a... Kia Rio. Which we had no money to do. Which and was the Kia a subcompact, and we packed they all of us in then. We had three kids at the time, and a lot of equipment for camping for a week. And we, we got through this trip, but not without um, uh, injury, personal injury to me. Mm -hmm. um, to He got a flaming marshmallow, marshmallow on his toe. Yeah, bare toe. Which then I think... We didn't have my, health insurance, so... Brother, yeah, so we, I mean, like, I'm sure that was a third-degree burn, but we had no health insurance, so, you know... Yeah, so, so, yeah, so suck it up, Buttercup, because, like, <laughs> we've got no insurance. Um, and, and, and it, it through Locked. all of it, there, there were probably a half dozen things that happened in that trip, Locked and then the we find out at that time, we, we, our engine had blown, it was running on uh, three of the six cylinders, they told us, and they said, uh, the guy got it to where we could cruise into Spokane when we picked it up on the way back. And he said, just get rid of the car. Yeah. You know? And that was a blow because we had no money um, at the time. Um, which kind of takes us into the second period of our life. Yep. 2003. Yep. But I will say, on that camping trip, this, is, this to me is an important part. Because you weren't there. I mean, you were at the camping trip, but you weren't in the headspace I was in. I remember laying in the tent one night. Oh, and it rained. And it rained. And Greg said, if, if it keeps raining, we're going home. And I said, if we go home, we're divorced. You know, like, I, I, I can't do this. I can't go home early and move in with your mother. 
<laughs> like, so I, I can't do that. Um, so, but that was the first night. And then the second night, you know, things had happened, crazy things had happened. And things just, like, I felt my heart softening for no reason whatsoever because, like, he's not being particularly different or nice. And then um, that third night, I remember laying in the, it had cleared up and so I could see the stars and everything and we're all laying in this little tiny tent that's still a little wet, but it's okay. And everybody's asleep and I just remember that I love him. I love him and that was the moment that I decided to persevere in our marriage. Like I wasn't gonna leave. I was gonna go home to what was going to be terrible, you know. I was moving in with my mother-in-law. Like, who who signs up for that? Rach, how about you come on and move on in? <laughs> Have another baby first, though, because we need three. <laughs> so it was like, I was go. I knew I was going into. I, we were in a valley, but I was going deeper into the valley. We were getting ready to go into the Grand Canyon, and I decided that me and God, we're okay, and I'm going to stay married to this man because I love him, and God loves him. God loves him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So I got in his path again. I, I righted, like, God helped me right the ship and here we, and here we went into the second 10 years of our marriage. <laughs> so it's 2003 um, and in the summer, early part of the summers when we had found Southside mm-hmm. um, and and then the late summer, we, By went, on late that, summer we went on that camping trip. Went on the camping trip. <laughs> and then after the camping trip, um, we were at our lowest point in our marriage, mm-hmm. as we just talked about. Um, there's a couple here at Southside that befriended us. Um, Chad and Jana are their names. Um, and little did I know what impact they would have on our life, on my life, really. Um, we were broke, we had no money, and somehow the money showed up, uh, which I think was paid for by Chad and Jana, to send Jennifer and I to Weekend to Remember. Uh, it was held at Coeur in Coeur d'Alene at the resort, um, and it was a marriage conference. And I want to in- infuse really quick here. Greg, for at least the six weeks leading up to this, had been coming to church every weekend. And one day, I was sick. And I knew that things were changing because he got up and brought the kids to church. Like, what in the world? I didn't ask him to. Even though she made breakfast and turned the power off in the house, (laughs) I persevered. Um, Didn't happen. (laughs) That'd make for a great story if it did. Um, So we were were gifted this weekend. um, And we had a horrific fight on the way to Coeur d'Alene as we're driving down the uh, I-90, um, and we went into that weekend still very broken, and we, I don't know how many times we almost turned and went home, because it was, it was a bad argument, bad fight that we had, um, but it was a weekend that Jennifer always uses the phrase, it felt like they were picking at scabs. Friday night, they just, Greg was like all into it, and I felt like they were picking up scabs of things I had learned to live with. Like, I, and it was all Greg's fault. Our marriage going sour was all 
was all this guy, right? He was lying and he was never home. But of course, when he'd come home, I'd make him feel so comfortable at being home. No, I had a list of things that I was mad about that I would want to go over with him and, and these kids and they're your kids too. And you know, yada, yada, yada. So, but they're like, like kind of starting to shine a light up that some of it might be me. What in the world? Like, that's not okay. <laughs> because if it was wrong, I'd be doing it differently, right? <laughs> and the subject, of, there was a pastor and his wife there from Alaska that came. And I, I, we reflect back on that weekend in so many ways that it changed my life because that Saturday night, I accepted Christ in my, into my life. Um which at the time it was I, I was focused so much on that couple and what they were the way that he presented their story but I also realized it was because of this church because of Chad and Jana and the effect that they had the sacrifices they made they were a young family that I know paid for this weekend I just know it mm-hmm. um, but they also had so many other parts of their testimony that proved so valuable to us, even today, mm-hmm. that we reflect back on, man, like what we're going through today with one of our children that we're going to get into. There was part of their testimony that, that I, we still reflect back on today. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, this was so God-led. And, and, and we call this period of our life the, the three becoming one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my spiritual immaturity, lack of any kind of faith really, just starting to figure itself out. And Jennifer learning to, for probably the first time in our marriage, learning how to trust me. Um, and uh, more importantly, learning how to trust God mm-hmm. for both of us, how to trust God in, in these things. Um, soon after that, it was about six months later, the first real test of my mm-hmm. newfound faith comes about. My uh, yeah. We'd been caring for my dad who had Alzheimer's and I get a call on a Sunday uh, and that he had just passed away. It's very suddenly, very unexpected. Yeah. Um, We found out he had cancer. Nobody ever knew that. Because he he had Alzheimer's, so he wasn't like telling people that he felt funny or weird or anything. I had seen him the the day before and he told me, he goes, Jennifer, I'm just so tired from working all day. And then my mother-in-law's like, he hasn't done any work. I don't know what he's talking about. As if I thought that he had been working all day, you know, or at the assisted living place. Like, I get that he hasn't been working all day. But that was the only only indication that I thought, oh, my gosh, he really was sick. Because the next morning he just passes away. But was him saying, I am just really tired from working all day. Yeah. He had pancreatic cancer. He's the only person I've ever known to gain 50 pounds in the last six months with pancreatic cancer because of the Alzheimer's. He would forget that he ate, and the man was eating probably two gallons of ice cream every day. He would just, like, go through ice cream. And so, yeah, so yeah. there was just no signs. There was no signs of the pancreatic cancer. Shocked the doctors when we, they did yeah. the autopsy, and that was yeah. what we found out. Um, so that was our, the first real test, and... I, even to this day, I, I, I find it remarkable how well we, and I really especially, navigated that. I was terrified because I wasn't really, I didn't trust Greg, and I really didn't trust the Lord. You know, I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, like, they were sowing seeds. He accepted Christ, and his seeds aren't on fertile ground. They're not on fertile ground, and for whatever reason, I thought that was 
me, I had to move the seeds. You know, like, it's all up to me. I must save Greg. And I think I've had those same, like, feelings with my kids as they were growing up. Or even, like, your kids down the hall. Like, everyone's salvation's on me. I don't save anybody. And so trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because, Jennifer, you save nobody. You know, and so it was and, a, and, and, a learning yeah. experience of learning to trust the this, Lord. This period of time was, you know, I'm, I accept Christ in my life first time ever to really. Now I, I'm thinking I understand. I've got all the answers, and and then my dad passes away, and and I, as I had mentioned, I'm a an accomplishment, a check the box type of guy, uh, check you know checking things off a list, and so not only you know my dad died, and I like I handle that fine. So a few months later, I left my job and decided to go work for another company in a completely different industry, um, not knowing the first thing about it because it was like, all right, I gotta change everything in my life. So I started changing everything about myself and, and, and that was not so good because- well, some of it was good. Some of it was some good, of it was good because he but for me it was truth. kind of phony. It he started was, telling the truth, but I didn't believe him most of the time yeah. because I was so so used to him being a habitual liar that um, I had to actually come to a place in prayer, and this is where like prayer really started taking root in my life. Is this ten year period um, where I would just I'd kind of constantly be in prayer, like I, like I'd pray throughout the day, like. Oh Lord, these kids are driving me crazy. Like, let me look at them the way that you you do, you know? Or Lord, I don't believe anything Greg's saying. And then so that was that was a huge conversation between me and God and me and God and me and God. And he's like, it's mine to handle. It's mine. Let go of it. Let go of it. Let go of it. And that probably took a couple of years of praying. So it wasn't, but it was persevering, right? It was persevering and persevering and persevering. And I learned to trust Greg because I learned more to trust God, right? Because God's good. Even in the midst of things not seeming good to me, because, you know, it's odd that God and me have a different definition of good. My definition of good is make my life wonderful. And his definition of good is I have the big picture and your life is good. (laughs) Um, We get to 2005. And uh, a major life change comes about, and uh, this is Jennifer and I are oh, yes. having a discussion <laughs> about uh, expanding our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jennifer had very hard pregnancies, so us having another baby was not really that was out of the question. Yeah, it, it, and it, it, it could with each pregnancy, you know, she spent time in the hospital and with blood pressure issues, and and they just doctor told her. You know, the next one could could kill you. So that was sobering enough to hear. And so Jennifer uh, and I start talking about adoption. Um, do you want to talk about that process? Um, yeah. So we decided to go through foster adopt. Um, and so we went through like the couple of classes that they have and um, all of that. And then there's a website actually where you can look at kids who are available who are available to adopt. Believe it or not, there is a website. Um, the and weird thing is you add them to a cart. <laughs> no, you do not. And then you have to check out. You most certainly do not add them to a cart. Sorry. We are not buying children. 
<laughs> See the lies. The, the lies still they still pop up every now and again. <laughs> so we we had kind of a list of like what would be nice in a child that we were looking for. You know, like a girl because we had three boys. Um, someone who was having a hard like they were having a hard time placing for sure. That was definitely in our heart, but um, perhaps not a child that had any serious medical issues right so Luke and I actually Luke being all of you know because I, I listen to my four-year-old when he's like this looks good to me and he was he might have been five mm -hmm. at the time yeah so he's five by a five-year-old this one looks good because he had an orthotic on his leg so Luke thought it was a shin guard thought he like this toddler was playing soccer so he's like I like this one so I'm like reading his story a little bit and then you can call because they don't have like that much information on the um, on the website, and so I call, and um, this little boy has a half a heart, and he so he definitely has major medical. Um, he has had a stroke at six months, so he's about a year out from the stroke. When I'm having this conversation with them. You know, lots of delays, you know. Cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy. Huge family history of mental illness, which honestly I just didn't even think about at the time because I really thought nurture was so much bigger than nature. Um, come to find out that's not always the case. Um, and you can't just love somebody out of mental illness or half a heart or a stroke, being a stroke survivor. Um, but I called Greg and I said, I think we need to start praying about this one because I think he's, I think, I think this is my son, you know? Because when I had talked to the person on the phone, like she's about halfway through our little conversation, she goes, honestly, nobody's ever stayed on the phone with me this long to talk about him. And I thought, that is my son you're talking about. So like, I started to feel very connected to this kiddo that I hadn't even. And she calls me and I'm standing in the middle of a sheet metal factory uh, in the back of the building and there's this noise all around and she's telling me I found uh, a baby and I'm like all right and I, I said I can't hear you really well and she's saying yeah it's a boy and I'm like well, it sounds like you're saying boy but hold on and and then she explains to me that he's absolutely everything we didn't want <laughs> on our checklist but he was exactly what God prepared for us um, we met him, uh, we got to drive over to, uh, uh, Town, Port, Port Townsend, Townsend. Port Townsend. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we went to the foster, uh, foster home he was at, mm -hmm. um, he was 20 months, 21 months 21 old, months. Mm -hmm. and I was frightened, I was just really scared, I didn't know, you know, they opened the door. And I, we were warned that he has an aversion to men, like mm -hmm. being around men, but you know, he'd be okay with Jennifer. So not to feel bad that he resists coming to me. And we opened the door and Dustin was sitting across the room. <laughs> he got up and he toddled his way over. And he just started walking that week because of all of the the stuff that he had. So at 21 months was when he started walking. And he uh, walks over to me and he just stands, looks up at me and he goes <laughs> like that. 
And I knew he was my son. This one's painful. This one's painful because not all stories have happy endings. Um, we were excited. We took, mm -hmm. him, took him out for lunch, <laughs> told that he doesn't like to eat. Uh, that wasn't our experience. And we went, to, everything. <laughs> we went to a Mexican restaurant. Thought, okay, well, try that out. And he, first time he ever had salsa, he wanted to try it. Loved it because he could taste it. The medications yeah. he was on, he, he couldn't taste a lot of food, so he wasn't interested in eating. So and they had him on baby food, so he was probably it probably just was like a texture and not really a. Food, and they used to so. cut everything so tiny and everything. So here we are giving him, you know, tortilla chips and salsa <laughs> and whatever. But wonderful parents. Uh, well, months later, his first his first phrase that he ever said was, "We." I was sitting at yeah. a Mexican restaurant waiting for Greg to meet us for lunch, and he looks at me and he sees the chips and he goes. How about salsa, mom? <laughs> that, that's, yeah, that's so true. We, we, that was so we, we, went, we went through and we uh, brought him into our home. He came in uh, soon after, weeks yeah, later. The, and, a week later. And our church, this church yeah. here, stepped up. Men at this church. Got, got us everything we needed for a baby because while we it were, happened so quickly. While we went and picked him up, they were furiously building. Oh, and down in our basement, we was one big room, and they created a bedroom for him. Put in the walls, everything. Uh, did all the construction of it, painting, and we come home, and he's got his own room. Um, and that was several men from this church that just stepped up. Mm -hmm. Were never asked to do it, and they just they wanted to do it, and we felt so loved. Um, we were. We just felt so unworthy of that. Um, soon after, again, all the changes, I, I, I left the job that I was at um, and was decided to start my own business again. Here we go again, business number four. Um, but I was a different man this time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were praying furiously about this. Which is so different than how we had handled things in the past. So and, 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 and praying together, because now we pray, like, we prayed together. Like, that whole don't ever ask me to pray with you thing wasn't real. <laughs> and, <laughs> not, and in God's, not in God's economy. Like, no, Greg, Greg's great. The irony here warrior. is our, our roles reversed at this point, um, where Jennifer now was pushing and saying, you need to do this. You need to start this business. You know, things are different. You can do it, you he's know, and, and I, in turn, and new man, was working right? for a guy who was a bit bipolar, which means he was bipolar, um, and was proceeding to offer me everything in the world to stay, to work for him. It, it was like he was speaking on Satan's behalf. Greg had come home and he's like, I just don't know, maybe we shouldn't make this move because he's promising he's going to buy you a new car. He's going to put our kids through private school. And I'm like, Ew. Like, he, offered, he offered to increase like, my salary this feels icky. by seven hundred percent. By seven hundred percent. Who does that? A bipolar guy. <laughs> and, but Jennifer, the roles reversed. I was the brakes, and she was the gas this time. And what a, what a change from our earlier years. And um, but we went through, and I we, we through prayers we realized that no, this was this is something that we know. God is going to bless. He's going to make. He's He's going to take care of us through this, regardless of what happens. He's going to take care of us. He's got us to this point, and we turned away from that and all the offers of riches and you know success and the things that just 
five years sooner would have, I wouldn't even have talked no. to Jennifer about it. I would have just stayed and accepted the con- offer. And there would and not have been a conversation. That. He would have surprised me with the new car. Yes, it would have been like in the driveway, and I'd have been like, "What in the world have right. you done?" You know. So we started this business, and we uh, it, it was a it was a tough time because I had no paycheck. Starting a business, I didn't make any money. Um, we we survived on what little money we had and a lot of debt not the smartest thing Mm-mm. to do we um, don't recommend that no highly and hopefully you're at the bullers uh financial <laughs> yes. one a few weeks back and if not there's got to be a recording out. of it you want to listen to it <laughs> after this um but uh we persevered and uh we continued to pray we continued we worked hard but we we always remembered what was important right and that uh, we were on do, the same team like we became like this is where the three become became one. one because greg and i like we would be on the same team like say there was something going on with aj because he's sitting right in front of me say there was something going on with 10 year old aj and like greg would be like well i think we should handle it this way and i think we should hand and i would be like well i think we should handle it this way and what we had to re- realize is we were team aj like, we're both Team AJ, so let's figure out what's going to be best for our family and what's going to be best for AJ. And it was conversations, and it was praying, and it was reading God's Word. And so that's where, that's where like, God knitted us together to do that three become one. Now, I hope for you guys that started on your wedding day. For us, it's just taking a little bit longer because we're hard learners. <laughs> yeah, 12, 13 years later. Um, and then we also, the thing that was different this time is that we had a pastor here that we met with Yeah. to make this yeah, decision, to, to, make to the talk decision through these things. The... And he, he was instrumental in guiding us and mm-hmm. reminding us and giving us scripture and just really you know, making sure that we pushed all the noise aside and that we were wholly focusing on the word and focusing on, on uh, uh, hearing and listening, mm-hmm. for, for, listening for the Lord, but also looking for that light, looking for that light to take us each step, each step on this path. Um, and so many things started to change then because I started, this is, began the period of my life where I traveled more you were traveling yeah. some at SSP. yeah but it, this was just ridiculous i was gone all the time and a lot of international travel and i was away and, and this is where jennifer's prayer life really began to take root mm-hmm. uh in, in a much stronger way because and, i was still i was the worked, occasional prayer yeah, praying and, guy but uh, and god worked on me and my anxiety he really he really like i didn't have greg to to like cling to in these times of anxiousness because a lot of times he wasn't there so i was clinging to god's word i was clinging to my prayer life i was um, getting involved with more people who could surround me during during times when i was having um panic attacks and the elders actually prayed for me um years ago um for my panicked attacks and they really I mean like that was a huge turning point for me so just really learning to to trust the Lord and still get up every morning and put one foot in front of the other that perseverance and and my immaturity spiritual immaturity was still there because I was still an angry man because I didn't understand why although it had gotten a lot better it had it had gotten a lot better but I I was also of the mindset God I've done these things Where's my reward? Where are you in rewarding this? And, and 
you know, and, and I would look at them as a cosmic vending machine, you know. Oh, I did this, I did this, I've been praying, I, I go to church, I'm part of a men's group, I'm part of a small group, we're part of a small group. And we served, like, We served, like, because crazy. Because that's what we love to do. We, we, we like, that's a whole other subject, but serve as family. It really does, it, it, it completely blesses your life. We love it. And, and we were dealing with Dustin's surgeries, I mean... Mm-hmm. over a dozen surgeries in the first 10 years of his life and went from heart surgeries to I mean femoral rotations and just all kinds of heart catheters yeah it, just yeah. one thing after another Tonsils. that we we're dealing I with mean, like you name it like the the things that might happen to a kid all happened to Dustin like he needed his tonsils out you know he yeah. needed he hasn't had his appendix out but that's great <laughs> we then start getting into this current period of our life um, yeah. which we titled, You're Never on the Other Side of Perseverance. Um, yeah. Boys were growing up. 2012, Colin graduates high school at Ferris and goes off to college, um, which was devastating to me. And we're sitting in Chicago, and I'm a mess at the change. You know, I felt like I was losing my son. Um, the dynamics in the house were changing. Um, and we just felt like there's a reshuffling going on because the oldest is gone and AJ's up now. He's next man in line. He's the, the next oldest. And, uh, and at the same time, we're dealing with all of the challenges of, uh, the, of Dustin and his health and, and then my mom. Well, and Dustin's mental illness started to really present itself about the time he was 10, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I can look back and see it always, but we can see... Um, definitely a step into what is going to be a real part of our story of Dustin's mental illness started to really we, we, show itself. We got into where I remember Jennifer but saying to me, because the, the conflict with my mom, the love she had for, but also the, the fact that we didn't my mom live, was living we did, out we, of state. Yeah, we hadn't lived with his mom in quite some time, right? We did live with her for about three years. Yeah. Yeah. And then she took off and moved to California with yeah. friends and family and just kind of hopped around and did stuff. Her. We bought the house from her. And, um, but then my mom's health was declining. And I remember Jennifer saying, you know your mom can never move in here again. Like, I can never live with your mom again. Yeah. And I... And she and I loved each other. We, we just did. We yeah. had a... We had a really special relationship, but she is English and she was very opinionated. And I'm a little quieter about that kind of stuff. So I would just seethe instead of like talking it out. Like she'd give me her opinion and I'd just be mad, <laughs> you know? So there was there was some dynamics between your there, mom and I. Were. And so I was like, she can't, she can't live here. And I would say it like every time it would, every time like his mom would come up, I would say, oh, but just remember, like she can't, like she can't move in here. Like, that can't ha- ever happen. That will never happen again. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about yeah. so, that before I get into the next so part? Because, of, and I and really think that this comes back to God building that perseverance in me. And so there were things that I did regularly, like be in God's word, um, prayer. And I would do prayer walks at this time, especially when Dustin's uh, mental illness was starting to ramp up a little bit. When he'd be at school, sometimes I would take what I'd call like a prayer walk. So one day I get all my stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna journal. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna pray. And Greg's mom was pretty sick at this time, and it was definitely evident that 
she needed more help. And Greg has siblings, so it wasn't like all on us by any means. Um, and everybody loved her and was willing to do what they needed to do. But I think in my heart, I always knew it was supposed to be me, right? And so I go on this prayer rock, and I'm like, and my sister, my sister, who also loved my mother-in-law, just like she was her own, um, says, I think you need to pray about this. And I said, I am not going to pray about this. And she says, well, I'm going to pray for you. And I almost said, don't. But I was like, okay, that's a, that's a step too far. So I didn't say, don't pray for me. So this is when we're starting to... In, in the world, there's like a lot of Syrian refugees and I and like they have no home, right? So I'm like, I am going to spend my time today praying for the Syrian refugees, which is a wonderful thing. And I think that we should pray for other people. So I'm praying and stuff and I sit down to journal and I'm just like kind of just sitting there being quiet. And I really felt the Lord impress on me, wow, you're really concerned about people that you don't know that don't have a home. What about the woman that you profess to love? that doesn't have a home right now. You say you love her. I want you to take her into your home. Well, I had spent a year telling Greg that that was never gonna happen. And I just, you know, sometimes when you feel your sinfulness, like I think about Peter when he realizes that Jesus is the son of God and he's like, stay away from me. Like I am sinful. I had that feeling of, ugh. I am too simple, like, stay away. So finish the walk and I call Greg and I said, first of all, I just have to ask you forgiveness because I love your mom and I'm so sorry because it must've been very difficult for you to hear over and over again what I wasn't going to do. <laughs> and I said, we need to start making plans right now. And I think this was the fall we need to start making plans right now to bring her up here because that is what we are called. We are being called by God to do this. And so let's start making plans. So we did. And she wanted to spend Christmas with Greg's sister because she was kind of staying with her at this point because she had really gotten ill. Um, and we went and picked her up in January and brought Dro her drove here. Up here drove her up here? Drove her up here. And that was uh, the end of January. And... Uh, She passed away um, about she, four months later. Um, yeah, she, she came to live with us, and I thought it would be, you know, I thought we'd have several years, but, you know, that just goes to show what I don't know. I don't know much. Um, and I she, just, there was, like, Ruth and Naomi. I went to the Book of Ruth, and you know that sweet passage that people have at their weddings all the time, where you go, I'll go, where you stay, I'll stay, where people will be my people, and your God will be my God, right? Does anybody realize that that's about a, a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law? This is not, this was not written about a married couple, right? So I spent a lot of time in Ruth and realized, you know, I was not, I was not by any means Ruth because that woman was like incredibly selfless and it would annoy me to know in that Frida was sitting in my spot. Like, she would be, like, on the couch where I usually sat. Well, I wasn't going to say, hey, that's my spot, but I'd be like, that's my spot. <laughs> Little things would bother me. But, you know, I think what was really bothering me was I was watching one of my most favorite people decline, you know, and I knew that was going to be hard for my kids, 
because she was living, you know, in our home with our four kids. It was going to be hard for my husband who loved his mom. And she and I had so many conversations during those four months. And I knew that I was, I was the one. I was the one who would hold her hand as she passed away. And um, things declined rather quickly. Greg's brothers and sister came out. Uh, he was actually in Miami traveling. I had to take her to the hospital. Nobody else was here. So I'm like, there's, they, they look at us and they said, should we keep her comfortable? And she's like fully in full capacity of her understanding. And she's like, you're going to let me die? And I'm like, nope, we're going to do everything. <laughs> because like, I'm, I'm the daughter-in-law. I'm not making these decisions. So everybody comes. Um, we make the determination. She was in the hospital for several days. But we make the determination that she's going to come home to our home. And we're going to get a, a hospital hospice. bed. And hospice is going to come in. And um, she did. She came home. And um, it was very hard for her to have all of her kids there. And so she had a, what she thought was a private conversation with me. But Greg was sitting on the couch behind her and didn't know that, that he could hear everything she was saying, that it was too hard for all of her children. Yeah. Too, too hard for all of her children to be there. And so Greg had the difficulty of telling his brothers and sister to go home, that they needed to go. They needed to say goodbye and go. And so over the next two days, they left. Um, her breathing got really shallow. I would stay up all night because um, I knew I was the one to be there, and I had promised my sister-in-law especially, that I would pray her out, and I had every intention of doing that. And the, the next morning, my kids got up and went to school. Um, Greg took Dustin to school. I don't think he could even have got off our street, and Frida's breathing changed. And I was like, you know, I had read everything I could find on imminent death, because I, that's just me. I want to know what I'm going into and I sat down with her I read the 23rd Psalm I started praying for her and she died and it was my greatest privilege to sit with her as she passed away and I would have missed it if I didn't learn to persevere right if I didn't learn those steps of praying of going to God's Word of listening I would have missed it because I would have said, she can't come live with us in my sinful selfishness. So we learned to persevere. That next year was, next 12 months was so much life change going on um, in my life as well. Uh, settling my mom's estate with the family, getting all through that. And uh, I get uh, in July, this is, a uh, year after what I now find out is that uh, I think for the first time I ever heard God uh, trying to tell me something and I started having these dreams uh, and couldn't understand what was going on it was and they went on for about six weeks and I shared was sharing them with Jennifer just these constant dreams and then they were becoming just more and more in depth about um, that I needed to uh, t 
talk about something, that I needed to uh, uh, give something, give to, something someone. to someone. And it was a constant message. And, and the dream was always centered on this, and it was bothering me. And I, knew, I, I, and I would pray about it and go to sleep. And then I'd have another version of this dream. And it was happening every single night. And it was keeping me up and couldn't understand what was going on. And, uh, and it was a Thursday night when it came to me. And that uh, next morning, I met with a group of guys from our church that we meet every Friday morning. Um, and I disclosed, it, it just, it hit me what it was. And I talked to these guys about it. And that night, we're going to bed, Jennifer and I, and lights go out. We prayed. I laid there, and then I said, I have something I need to tell you. And it was really in that moment, if I hadn't, if, if I hadn't been persevering and I hadn't had developed that prayer life where I could just like pray anytime and it wasn't like special or like certain words and that kind of stuff. But I'm like, Lord, I'm really scared. I don't know what he's going to tell me, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be, let's go to the Hawaii. You know, it, it sounds like it's going to be something bad, but I want to respond to him in a godly way in the way you would want his wife to respond to him. I didn't know what he was going to say. I realized that I've always known, obviously, uh, at, when I was 10 years old, um, I was sexually abused. Several times over a period of time by somebody at a school, a, a worker at a, the elementary school that I was at in California. I was threatened. I was told that if I told anybody, he would kill my family. He knew my family. He told me how he would do it. He would call me out of class under the guise of, I need Greg to come and help me with a project, to help me with something. And I didn't want to go, but I would go, or I would try to find a reason not to go. And I carried that and never told anybody. And here I am talking to Jennifer about it, under the cover of darkness, because I was ashamed that I couldn't say it with the lights on, feeling that I'd be judged. And she had so much grace. And at that moment, so much made sense in my life, the way she handled it. I came to the realization where my anger was, my desire to be better, to achieve things, to, to, to stand out in a positive way, to be better than anyone else, to do things differently, it's almost to an obsessive level. And God just told me through those dreams that it's you. You need to, you need to unpack this. You need to let it go. It's past time that I should have done that. And I felt so guilty. I felt so mad that I was 
I wasted 35, 36 years of my life, I felt like, just wasted it. Being angry, being, and, and, and what damage did I do to my family, to my wife, to people that I know? It's like, I felt like a fraud, I felt phony, I felt, and I had, I had this anger just stirring up again. I was just so upset. And... But in God's goodness, he, he prepared us to weather to weather this storm. You know, Greg's like, well, I should have told you before we got married. Well, I don't think at 20, I was ready. You know, I don't think I had the skills that God was gonna teach me over. And maybe, you know, maybe it would have, I mean, I, I don't say people should keep secrets or anything, but I just see God's goodness in in this. And in, in, in God's faithfulness to us and how he's grown our marriage through this, through this ick, right? Satan didn't have a victory here. Jesus has the victory here. Jesus 100% had the victory here. And I think that that, Greg getting, getting some, some help on like dealing with some 10-year-old feelings, because I think in some ways he was kind of stuck in, yeah. in, in, in the 10-year-old Greg, um, getting some help with that and stuff really helps set us up for things that we're going to be hard that are hard right now that are hard right now and, and again we, we, we had the church yeah and I remember I met with that guy back then <laughs> yep and you probably don't remember what you said as much as it resonated with me was that it was in God's time that this happened. This is part of his plan that had I done that, had it ever been revealed to me, this is the light, the lamp that's shining on my feet, taking each step in my life. And, but if, if God had, had shown a light to where this moment was in my life now, 30 years later, and said, this is when you'll be free, when you do this, when you check all these boxes, Greg, and you, you just do this, you, can, you, you confess it, you talk about it, you, you will be free of it. You'll be free of the burden, you'll be free of the anger, you'll be free of all of this. If I knew that, if we knew that, if we knew what God's plan was for us, we would just try to do it. We try to take it in our own hands. In right? our own time, <laughs> and we would try to, the immediacy of it, just trying to accomplish it immediately. But it was a journey that I had to go through, that we had to go through. <laughs> Because we can't handle the reality of what God's plan is for our life, what the finish line, so to say, looks like. And it, it, from that point forward, it, it was probably the most next to accepting Christ into my life, which was just yet another step in this journey. It solidified so much about the future and where we're at today. And, and my passion for... Our passion for marriage, mm -hmm. our passion for for mentoring marriages, for just doing what we're doing right now, and my personal passion for guys that are married, that are getting married, to let them know that I don't care what all the things you're saying you're going through and how hard it is. You persevere. 
You suck it up, man. You just, it's a day at a time and you persevere. I, I was a liar. I was an addict. I was a thief. I was a, I, I was angry. I was all of these things. I was phony. I, I was the biggest narcissist in the world. It was all about me. And he redeemed it and said, I have a better plan for you. Better plan for us. Right. We have had an amazing, like, we didn't hit on all of the joy and the blessings and all of the wonderful things in our life. And I want you to know that they are there and they are wonderful and they're not, it's not like we have these blessings and, um, but this or we, this is what's wrong, but we have all these blessings. No, they all exist together. Like, we have the blessings and we have the hard. Like, it's, it, that's our life. That's our life. So we're never going to be on the other side of perseverance. And right now we're going through a huge trial. Um, yeah. We talked a little bit about Dustin and his mental, mental health. Um, just a week and a half ago, we've had to sadly cut off all ties with Dustin. Um, his mental health is in a, such a place that Greg and I aren't safe. Um, we have set everything up as best we can for him because he also has an intellectual disability and like we certainly haven't just like he's not on the streets he's he's being cared for but he can no longer be cared for by us and that's the same kid that crawled over to Greg and lifted his hands up to him it's the same kid who said how about salsa mom um, but we're gonna persevere and I can honestly say what I know is that God is good. He's good. He has a plan. He has a plan. He tells us in his word that all things work for our good for those, those who love God. And I love him. And he will work this good for our lives and for his glory. Just like he has this whole crazy story of ours, right? This is another chapter. This story for Dustin and us did not end the way I wanted it to. And sometimes I'm like, what in the world, God? This isn't, like you asked us to do this and this is the end? And I don't know that this is the end and I get that, you know, there's always hope, but I, my hope is in Jesus and my hope is in eternity. Um, and that's where it's going to stay. Um, so I get that, but right now this is the, this is the end of that story for now. And it feels so wrong, but through perseverance, we know that God is good. God is good. Even when things get tough. He has a plan and they do get and, tough. And they, they're going to continue to, there's going to be challenges in our, all of our lives. Yeah. Things certainly are going to get tougher. We will it's, never be on the other side of perseverance, this side of heaven. We will not be, but I will, while I have breath in my body, say that God is good. I think we should close in prayer, but does, if anyone has any questions, yeah. I mean, you can ask them now or and afterwards again, we'll be here as well. Or, we have many, many blessings in our yeah, lives. Yeah, we and do. We, and we want to get to know all of you and um, and share.
but our our thing was perseverance and you know you don't really call on perseverance when you're um walking in in bliss so we didn't talk a lot about the bliss today right <laughs> we talked about the hard things because that's really where the perseverance come in but i want you to know that greg and i do know how incredibly blessed we are, we are by the lord and, and even even during be. those toughest times and even now even when now. we're going through this period of time with, uh with one of our children we're still blessed mm-hmm. we're still obscenely blessed by the lord mm-hmm. um he's good god is good mm-hmm. um if does anybody have any questions at all right now or uh if afterwards you would like to talk with us mm-hmm. we would love to if any of you are want to get together you and your spouse and we'd love to get to know you mm-hmm. more we'd love to 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 just be somebody that you know you could confide in and we could help guide if or just help lead you to where you need to be um or just if you want want to hear more about that and how uh, about our life and, and and the things that we've gone through we didn't even touch on half of the things um, whether they're blessings or they were difficult things but uh, at the end of the day we know that uh, God has put us here for a purpose and that's to celebrate marriage and to celebrate the marriages that uh, he puts together out there and sharing our story is um, one of the ways that God is using this for our good and his glory. Yeah. Well, I'd like to close in prayer and uh, thank you guys. I know we're long-winded um, for sticking with this. No, they, we still have about 15 minutes oh, do we? for service. Oh, well, that's but, right. They go longer now. I forgot. I know, because you're saying, look at the time. I'm like, okay, stretch. <laughs> oh, no, I was thinking we had to, we had to hurry. Um, Father God, Lord. Uh, oh, oh, yes. Oh. thinking of the Cinderella idea. Happy, how do you say, happy ever after. Right. Without thinking of the roller coaster that comes with it before you get to happy ever after. Thank you so much. Um, the part that I was looking to hear in your narrative is the perseverance that came when the started coming up, particularly oh. when you said, I had no husband, mm-hmm. walking three jobs, um, traveling husband, mm-hmm. technically a single mom. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Many times, Very much yeah. So. Mm-hmm. How did you manage that? How did you manage that perseverance? Secondly, let me put all my questions together. Okay. The night he said to you, I have something to tell you, and he told you the story about the 10-year-old Greg, what was your response? Well, first, when I was um, sometimes playing the part of a single mom, although I have to say, 
I don't think I ever really truly was a single mom because at that time Greg and I were actually working fairly well together so he was always available by phone you know and so it's different for sure but I think having knowing that he was in my corner helped a great deal and I would love to say that I handled all of that with grace and I was just so loving and all of those things I yelled a lot and sometimes locked myself in my closet <laughs> but when I would lock myself in my closet I would also grab my Bible and I would like just and sometimes it was just Lord I don't know you've got to have something for me because I'm at my wits end and so it was a verse or I would go with um, like what 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 do you want from me and so Micah 6 8 and what does the Lord require act justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God and so that was one that I really held on to when Greg would be out of town and sometimes I kind of got into that from reading that locked in the closet to starting with it first thing in the morning so that's where God switched it of let's start with me and maybe you're not going to end up in the closet <laughs> you know so let's start with me and I would be like okay today what is God asking me to you know act justly love mercy walk humbly with my God and um, me being a little hard on myself sometimes that could be hard so then I always had to remember that that uh, Jesus is the grace that comes in and fills in all of the cracks where I didn't maybe love mercy <laughs> maybe walk humbly and so um, it was it was it was scripture and then Greg and I also had these journals that we would write to each other when he was away and a lot of mine would be scripture and prayers and that and that kind of thing so that was one of the ways God took that perseverance a little deeper when we when I had kids but um, I think 75% of the time I did a great job and I think 25% of the time I I have apologized to all of my adult sons for where I failed them you know those so. journals were amazing because she would uh, write in hers, I would write in mine, and mm -hmm. then uh, when we come back, we would exchange them, and it gave us a, a much deeper understanding of what happened in that, if I was gone three days, a week, whatever mm -hmm. period of time it was, into what was on my heart at that time, and, um, and what's on mm -hmm. her heart, mm -hmm. and, and it, it just kept knitting us closer together mm -hmm. and understanding each other mm -hmm. a lot more. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about the second yeah. part of the question? And then so that night I did shoot up that prayer of let me, you know, let me react in the way that you would have me react. And honestly, I think that night the Holy Spirit took over because I was, I was just. She had, a, I, she I had a, just, a good hot minute to really think about it because. He paused for a long time and I, I didn't know what he was going to say. I hadn't said that out loud to anybody. Except for the guys in the morning. Well, yeah, yeah let, I mean, to, to be able to say this to, to Jennifer, doing it under the cover of darkness, 35 years later, and I got up, sit, sat on the edge of the bed with my back to her, and it felt like forever, and she, then of course she flips the light on, which caused me to delay even longer, and just held my hand and just said, just tell me. You know, I love you. I just tell me, and 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 you know, and I I know she probably had every 
thought in her mind racing through of what it could be yeah. and yeah for sure the fear of, I was of what saying, i was going to say i was afraid you were going to tell me you were dying because you've had he's had some he's had some health issues throughout the years so i thought he has he has hidden the cancer from me and he is dying um so i was glad that it wasn't that um there was also just to be really brutally honest there was um some things in our marriage that were kind of blamed on me that um, were now obviously not my fault. Like some intimacy mm-hmm. type things that, um, although I've always told Greg <laughs> when we were going through like some real healing, I'm like, well, I think we're still gonna figure out that I'm still me, <laughs> you know? But um, there was like, there was some forgiveness. There was some forgiveness, but honestly that forgiveness just came instantly I mean, I just have such love for this man that my heart was like broken. I just, I just feel like Greg was in a pit and I climbed in. I climbed in and I just swooped him up in my arms and I held him until God healed us. She physically did. She came and I. Well, I mean, we were on, we were sitting on the bed, but I just yeah, swooped him up. Came behind me and just was holding me, and I just felt like breaking free. Well, and he kept and trying to kind of to get loose, I, to get away. Yeah. Just again, shame, shame, shame. I'm feeling, and and she wouldn't let me go. And just kept reassuring, and and I slept so well that night, and I know she didn't sleep at all because she was angry at. The circumstance. I was angry at the at circumstance. The I was angry at the person. Um, yeah, I was never angry at And I slept like a baby. <laughs> Just the relief in that. But I don't think I could have even predicted that she would have handled it like she did. I, not in my wildest dreams did I think. Not only did she just take it, process it, and she just, gosh, she just so showed me so much love and grace and mercy and, and, and reminded me that I was loved by the Lord and she prayed like crazy for me and and then telling my family I shared it with my kids that was difficult because I felt so guilty as a dad that I let it affect my life that I let it make me angry that I let it make me frustrated that it made me distant that was hard. I think they all thought I was dying too before I told them because I could. It took forever to get those words out. So it did change a lot of things from that point forward because I felt free. It's mm-hmm. just it's really hopefully setting up the next ten yep. for even greater things. Yeah. Freedom from those chains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. What became of him? Yeah. Well, this was only last week. So um, he is living in a, a supported living um, area where he has someone with him 24 hours, seven days a week because he has the needs that he needs to have that um, with him. Um, he will always be our son. Yes. And we don't know what's going to change. We, the, ultimately, we, we want that relationship back, but there's a lot of healing that has to be done and a lot of things that have to be handled 
on his side especially, um, the reliance on utilizing us for the blame and the, you know, he's dealing with a lot of anger and a lot of sadness and, and then the mental illness on top of it just doesn't, it's not a good combination. And, and the deciding that we needed to cut off any relationship with him right now was actually recommended by his social worker. His social worker called me and said, you are not safe. I need you to get a restraining order against him. Um, this is what you need to do. So. It was very, it, it, you know, it, it wasn't a decision. Like, that. there was nothing else to do. I, I, I would say it was a very yeah. difficult decision. It's a very difficult circumstance. It's a very difficult circumstance. Um, we have loved him. We've given him a strong foundation. Um, I'm just hoping and praying that those seeds that were planted all of the years, you know, I'm just trusting the Lord, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight because I don't trust myself with these because I think I would just still pursue a relationship with him and then my kids don't, my, the rest of my kids don't have a mom because he kills me. That's not okay. So I trust the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord because I can't trust myself. I would not make the right decisions. And we feel that hole in our hearts the last couple of weeks especially. We are, it's so we hard. Are, we're in the midst of some deep, deep grieving. Yeah. Yeah. But God asked us to adopt Dustin. And so sometimes I'm a little... Like, well, you asked me to do this, so why is this not having my happy ending? But then I, th I do think the Lord says, oh, I never promised a happy ending. I asked you to do this. I asked you to be obedient. And we were. And we loved him as best we could. Did we do it perfectly all the time? Absolutely not. Dustin's been difficult since day one. I mean, like, I have four kids, so I know what, like, a difficult kid is. And this was not that. This was something different so um but we, we 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 did our we did our best and i believe the lord filled in where we where we failed and um i think of the prodigal son a little bit um and remembering that the prodigal the this the father of the prodigal son he doesn't go chasing after the son when he's in the rebellion right he doesn't go chasing after the sun. And so we can't go chasing after. We can't go chasing after Dustin either. Will we welcome him back into our lives if there's like repentance and, uh, and a change of heart? Absolutely, oh, and that's what we hope for. Um, I don't know that that will be our ending, honestly. The Lord never promised us a happy ending. But we, we trust that he's good. And we want to just add, um, I'll re-echo something you had said earlier on. And this is for, for me, and perhaps for everyone, the emphasis you had laid on 
service and community, how that has supported you. For everyone here, I would say we cannot overemphasize that enough. That is true. Um, service has been the core of our family. Like, we've been serving as a family since Pastor Colin was seven. Seven years old, yeah. Seven. So we started, you know, serving in children's ministry. I now run the children's ministry department, and I have for eight years, I think. And I've worked here for 15. So well before Colin was Pastor Colin. I was here first. (laughs) But um, it was just... You know, I just think that there's something about serving the Lord together that just binds a family together. It's, it's you serving out of your joy, your kids seeing you serve yes. from your joy, um, seeing the, um, the way that God changes your life as you, in, in service to him. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough, even if, like, you take a, a week a month and serve in the food bank together. We've also served in the food bank together as a family. Um, I, I think that it's it's invaluable. And then for us, we just have such a passion for children knowing the Lord, that they know the Lord before they're 30, right? Um, so that they have that foundation before. But, you know, and I will be the first to tell you that it's still the kids' um, decision whether or not they decide to follow the Lord or whether they not or whether or not they decide to stay kind of in a that rebellious state of sin like we can tell them everything we give them all of the information we show them the goodness of God we love them but in the end we don't save anybody only Jesus does and Jesus won't force his way into somebody who's chosen rebellion There was one story about Colin, and he was five years old, and I'm not a Christian, and I'm sitting in a house, our first house on 31st, and sitting on the front porch eating cherries. I remember this to this day, and I've told Colin about this several times. I think it was a, it's kind of a catalyst for where I launched more towards, the trajectory started to change, but here's a five-year-old kid as we're eating cherries, spitting the pits out in the yard. Um, and I remember just, her dad had died. Um, this was, No, but a couple years prior to that, and that he had died. And just the business that, you know, we were running was just suffering. And just, and I remember just talking to him about how hard it is sometimes to be a dad. I remember saying that, having this conversation. And and Colin's always been kind of 40. So, yeah. So, take, so at age five, he was probably more like a 30-year-old. And he, I just still remember this day. And he remembers spitting the pits out into the yard with me. Um, but I, I remember when he went off to Chicago, first year of college, and I shared this with him. But I remember him just, I just kind of, I unloaded on a five-year-old all the pain and all the fear that I had to a five-year-old. Um, and he just looked at me and he said, it's okay, Dad. It's okay. God's got this. <laughs> at five years old, he said, God's got this. He's going to take care of it all. 
And I just remember laughing, thinking, oh, you little naive child, you have no idea. It's not up to him, it's up to me. <laughs> and there was a picture that was taken after that. And I still have that in my work. It's on my wall of him and I sitting on the, the I don't know who took it, but somebody came up in the family and just snapped a picture of this little color four by six picture of him sitting there, little Colin and I, with a bowl of cherries and a five-year-old telling me, it's okay. God's got this. It's okay. He has a plan. And little did I know, he, you know, here he is today. And, and, and But it just shows, emphasizes that part of period of our life, how much Jennifer was the spiritual leader by far. Because I had no uh, faith whatsoever, you know, in that time of my life. And how the roles have really She's now trusted. She trusts me, mm-hmm. and she trusts me in, in, in leading. And but we're a good team. Yeah, she's trusting me to wrap this up. <laughs> Look at all this trust. All right, I'm gonna pray, and then uh, and if anyone has any questions, you want to come up, that's great. Um, all right, Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, first and foremost for this opportunity. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your love. For all your people, Lord. For all people, Lord. I thank you so much for this opportunity to share within our our church, our our family, our home here. I thank you for each person that's here today, Lord. I thank you for the way that you just love on us. You light our steps, Lord. You give us just what we need each day to get through what, what we need to get through. What's coming at us. I thank you for the people that are invested here today, Lord, in, in, in wanting to grow their marriages in a way that's just knitting them together three in one, Lord, with you. I pray for blessings over that. I pray for, um, for the men that are here today to step up, to take the shields down that are around them the, and to be honest, to be open, to be the man that you want them to be. I thank you for the women here that support those men. Those women that love on them, that encourage them. I pray for incredible marriages and for just so many amazing things to happen within their marriages and the families that they raise. We love you, Lord. We thank you for taking these two sinners and, and, and just loving on us as you have and we thank you for the ability to be able to share today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.